spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. The Stuniverse, a Bingo Productions podcast with Mark O'Sullivan and Dr. Stuart Clark. I'll do a little intro of sorts. Alright. Do a little intro. Hello, my name's Mark O'Sullivan and I'm sitting here with Dr. Stuart Clark. Um, Dr. Stuart Clark... Uh, can I call you Stu? <laughs> you have done for the last 15 years or more, so yeah, why not? My children know you as um, Dr. Professor Uncle Stu. <laughs> which one Which ones of those are true? Um, the professor is not true. Oh. I am not a professor. Doctor? Yeah, that's true. Yes. Uncle, true. Yes. Yes, all of that. Yes. And, and the names, they're, they're true as well. What are you a doctor of? Oh, I'm a doctor of astrophysics. Uh, I did my PhD at the University of Hertfordshire, and it was into the um, infrared profile of um, of light scattering through dusty envelopes around young stars. Right, we are, <laughs> I reckon, a minute into this, and you've already said something that makes no sense, <laughs> which is sort of why we're doing this, actually. So... So Stu and I have been friends for a long time and um, we, uh, we often ambush Stu and get him to tell us stuff, you know, to explain things, um, which is what we thought we'd do here in this as yet unnamed podcast. Of course, by the time you listen to this, it will have a name because we'll have had to have decided on something. Um, I've got some possibilities. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let, <coughs> let, let's go through them right now. Okay, so first possibility is the Stuniverse. <laughs> that came up. That, that, that came up as a possible name for my uh, Guardian blog. Um, really? Yes, it did. And uh, there was fierce debate uh, among the, the editors about whether it was, it was too stupid. Um, for What's a, stupid about the Stuniverse? I've no idea. I'd <laughs> like to know. I'd like to know. Yes, so um, they suggested um, uh, the name across the universe, which is uh, what it what it finally became. Sort of a bit too grown up that way, though, <laughs> isn't it? Across the universe with Doctor Stu. Yeah, or the Stuniverse. The Stuniverse. Or here's another one. Isn't it big? Because <laughs> I, I thought we might attract a slightly wider yeah. audience. Yeah. Christ, isn't it big? <laughs> Should, should it be like that? Mm. So, <laughs> how many de- degrees have you got? Uh, two, 
two. Only two. Only, yeah, only two. Yeah. Oh, I feel a bit disappointed. But, yeah, I know. You should have got someone more qualified. <laughs> I thought we'd be in double figures. <laughs> or two. That's double one, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so um, that's all I've got for possible names at the moment. Um, well, that's it. Yeah. The not... Studiverse, and isn't it big? <laughs> it's not... <laughs> It's not a massive list. It's a short list. I'll yeah, give you that. It is, yes. it is an actual short list, and um, but we'll probably come up with something. What I thought I'd do is is just ask you some questions and get you to talk about stuff uh, the way we do. Fine you know. Way. And um, you might know the answers, you might not. You might. I mean, to be honest, whatever you said to me, I'd believe it because you've got one of those voices and faces. Let me let me start with this: space planes, space. They're plane. new, aren't they? You've been reading last week's. I have article. Yeah, I had a look. Yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. Space planes are really um, quite exciting. The idea is that you just fly fast enough that you know you just sail off out of the atmosphere and, and, and into space. The big problem with that is that in order to reach the speed to do that, you need to be going somewhere in the region of 25 times the speed of sound. Right. And That's quite a lot, isn't it? That is quite a lot. <laughs> and at that speed, if you've got a jet engine that you're trying to use, trying to take the air into the jet engine and compress it, um, releases so much energy that you melt the engine. So right. not ideal. It's not ideal. So you need to find a way to get rid of all that heat, accelerate the plane with a jet engine fast enough, and then when you get to a certain speed, you know, five times the speed of sound or something like that, turn the jet engine into a rocket motor and off you go. I was under the impression that these things were already kind of almost there, you know, kind of The technology for them is now looking extremely promising. This one guy's brainchild called Alan Bond and he's an aerospace engineer and he has worked for decades to try to perfect the kind of heat exchanger technology that you would need to make this engine viable so it doesn't get melted. Absolutely. And he's, he seems to be very, very close. I mean, that's all quite secret how he does that. That's his you know, intellectual property. Should you even be talking about this? I can, I can say he's clever, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to mind that. So we're not just talking about one specific space plane or something like that. We're actually talking about whole new designs of space planes and aircraft and those sorts of things. It just opens up a whole new world of hypersonic flight and orbital possibilities. So how you, how quickly you could get around the world. Remember, once you get to low Earth orbit, you go around the world in about 90 minutes. So really? the Yeah. The International Space Station circles the Earth every 90 minutes. Is this true? Yes. Yeah, this is not one of those made-up space facts. <laughs> oh, the, what the yes. thing we're doing later that I haven't yeah. mentioned. Yeah, that's right. Well done. Yes. Um. Yeah, that, that, that was a bit of a spoiler. Um, that was yes. Orbital velocity is so fast right. that that's that's how quickly you go around the Earth. So that means that you should, if you know, if you could just zip up to orbit and then come back down again, you could be on the other side of the world. You know, forty-five minutes an hour. Something like that. So you could actually pop to Sydney for lunch. In principle, yeah. Imagine that, Sydney for lunch. I've never been to Australia. You probably wouldn't want to go there for lunch. No, just get to London, it's closer. Oh, look, a little notification's just popped up saying Stu recording. Oh. Um, 
That's I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to close that because good that, good because that your Apple are. calendar is so yeah. on top of things. When are we going to be living on Mars? <laughs> yeah, really, no time soon. Could it be viable? Oh, yeah, it's certainly tough. And the phone signal's dreadful. Just awful. I mean, <laughs> unbelievably bad. No waitrose. That can be changed. How long's a day on Mars? Oh, the, the day on Mars is just a little bit longer than the Earth. Um, so it's about 24 hours and 40 minutes. And that extra 40 minutes, this is the beauty of it, that gets called um, by a uh, an amazing science fiction sounding name the martian time slip nice it's good isn't it see so the the rovers that nasa put on mars they have a day and night cycle for the rovers which means that the operators have to work on martian time so the operators always used to work with this extra hour honestly yeah in their shift so so their day on earth was constantly moving back an hour each time they were that on must shift be confusing just totally totally confusing for them lag. yeah you know they they work the the martian the martian night shift like, quick question if there were a chance for you to go to mars tomorrow would you go no i've got too much work to finish i think that's uh. Yes. Difficult for editors to bother you, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, in that in that sense, yes. Do, you get, do astronauts get emails? Yeah, do they? They do. They, everything gets routed up through um, through through Houston. So if you get called by an astronaut, um, the number that comes up on your phone is a Houston number. Have you ever been called by an astronaut? I've never been called by an astronaut, but I know people who have. Do you? Yes. So I'm only steps away from someone who knows someone who's been called that's your claim to fame (laughs) (laughs) wow I'll tell the kids this they're going to be amazed I know you've been abroad recently um, talking about space debris I have Yes, I was very lucky to be invited to a workshop at the um, European Space Agency. Are you allowed to talk about this? Is this something uh, you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's no. Um, this is not. It's not like top secret or anything. Quite recently, a big bit of space stuff hit the earth. Is on, that- yeah, on on. on Friday the 13th, yeah, November. Just Friday just gone? Friday just gone. And it, you know, and it came down where it was predicted to come down. It was a good opportunity to learn about things, Mm. space debris coming back into the atmosphere. It's definitely a piece of rocket of some description. Oh, is it? So it's not just... It's, it wasn't a natural thing. It wasn't an asteroid or a, a meteorite or something like that. It's it litter. Was, yeah, it was a piece of space debris from our launch. Does that happen often? Yeah, things come back sort of all the time. It is a problem in the sense that certain things have been put up that are extremely large and will not fully disintegrate on the way down. Um, I'm going to have one of my major thick moments here now. <laughs> Why can't you just, when you're done with it, just give it a little nudge out? Yeah, the problem with that, you see, and this is the problem that ended up with the piece of space debris on Friday, is that wherever you you throw it away from, it will usually come back to the same vicinity at some stage. Sooner or later, the Earth's going to be in the same place again, and so you're going to get hit. Like a Facebook petition. (laughs) 
sooner or later. She's going to come around again. She's going to come around again. And that was the that was the big thinking. You know, that space was just so big that you could just do anything you want up there. And, and of course, it, it's, it's actually not that big. So. Hang on. What are you saying? <laughs> that affects one of our shortlist. <laughs> that affects our possible name. Isn't it big? Isn't it big? Not as big as you might think if you're just constantly putting things in orbit. You, you know, you, you, you fill up orbits quite quickly. And if you have a collision then, you know, two spacecraft become thousands or tens of thousands of bits of spacecraft. And the speeds at which they're, they're moving is kilometres per second. So the energy that you get if you're hit by you know, a, a nut or a bolt or something like that, that's the equivalent to a hand grenade going off. So there's, if, if things start going wrong, you rapidly get into a, a situation where you just generate vast amounts of debris, um, which takes down other satellites, creating more and more, and you exponentially, just lo- well, you lose orbits very, very quickly. And that's, that's now recognised. And so this is something that everybody is working very hard to try and avoid against. So it's sort of creating these gangs of marauding bolts yeah. in orbit going around menacing other satellites <laughs> I mean that's, that's pretty that's pretty close to the truth so 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 the the international space station for example sometimes has to maneuver to get out of the way of space debris that's passing and other satellites do um, as well these sort of collision avoidance maneuvers used to be very rare and they're um, they're much more common I'm going to mention something now that you may not want to talk about (laughs) and if you don't want to talk about it that's fine the day you went to this conference also just happened to be the day that the new Star Wars trailer came out I'm, I'm assuming this was a a room full of experts. Yeah, and one minute we were talking about um, this this object that was going to um, hit on November the the thirteenth, and it, yes, it was all safe. It was going to burn up in the atmosphere, and we knew exactly where it was coming down. Or the experts knew exactly where it was coming down, but really, it wasn't. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Public knowledge at that point, so we were talking about what, what would be the best way to um, announce this and... Uh, and <laughs> And then one of the world experts in space debris suddenly remembered that the Star Wars trailer was out. <laughs> and so he always stopped and watched it. <laughs> Do you think Luke's gone to the dark side? No, 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 I don't. Obviously, things didn't pan out the way you hoped happily ever after, after Return of the Jedi. So what has happened? You know, where is Luke? It's just the mystery of it, I think it's fantastic. Bit, a bit dull, though, if, if it'd all been OK, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. In this episode, uh, Luke is running a carpet-cleaning franchise. Well, Princess Leia's got a little coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> does organic buns. Okay, we're going to do something now that I'm going to provisionally call, uh, like most things in this podcast, Big Fat Galactic Liar. And that's going to be you. So I um, I um, asked you earlier today, when I say earlier today, about an hour ago, um, less than that probably, 
to come up with uh, three space facts, one of which is a total lie. He's going to tell me these three space facts in a moment, and I'm going to guess which one is a lie. I'll be honest, I'm not fancying my chances at the moment, because I, like I said earlier, I believe everything Stu tells me. Stu, are you ready? Um, not really. But, uh... <laughs> space fact number one. Space fact Number one is that. <laughs> I hope no one's listening to this whilst operating heavy machinery. <laughs> I think we may have just lost you. Space fact number one is that 98% of the chemicals in the universe are hydrogen and helium, so just gas. Astronomers habitually refer to all the other chemical elements in the periodic table that's not hydrogen and helium as metal right that's fact number one so fact number two the lander that the european space agency put on the comet last year old comet Gerasimenko. that's her on earth it weighs about 100 kilos on the comet it weighs about one gram Hmm, okay, alright, and big fat galactic liar, fact number three. There are some stars that are smaller than oranges. Wow, smaller than oranges, right, okay, this is exciting now. So, space fact number one was 98% of all the stuff in the universe is hydrogen or helium Mm -hmm. gas so everything else is referred to by scientists just as metal yes the remaining two percent which is still quite a lot it's still quite a lot let's be honest but let's be honest most of the stuff that they call metals are not metal oh okay right i didn't totally understand that first time you said that but i think i get that now space fact number two was the lander that landed on the comet what's her face um Weighed 100 kilograms here, but only one gram actually on the comet. And space fact number three, there are some stars that are smaller than oranges. Right. Two of these are true. Two of those are true. One of them's a big fat galactic lie. It is. Right. Hang on. Right, you see, number one, I reckon that's true. Number three is so ridiculous... Because what's going on in my mind now is how would you know, how would you even be able to see them if they were smaller than oranges? How would you know they're there? You know, maybe you do that type of looking in the universe that isn't looking, it's listening. That's probably got a better name than that, has it? Um, maybe. What's it called? What, listening? Yeah. (laughs) Space listening. Space listening. This is John, he's a space listener. What are you doing at the moment, John? Just, sorry. What you have to remember, you see, is that at at, at that sort of size, you know, the density would be huge, the gravitational field would be huge, you know, it could attract matter to it, that matter would potentially give off radiation that you could see. So the actual physical size of an object, um, you might not be seeing the object directly. You might be inferring its existence uh, based on things that happen around it, which are large enough to see. Right, OK. I'm going to say that that one is also true, which would make the weight of the lander on comet thingy being only one gram on the comet a lie. What's the lander called? 
Filet. Oh, it's, that was, oh, I was thinking the comet was called Filet. No, the land is called Filet, the comet's called Chiriumov Jurazimenko. All right. Doesn't matter <laughs> how many times you say it, just, just stop it. being impressive first time. You could call it CG if you want. Oh, could I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very gracious of you. <laughs> right, I'm going to say the lander weight Filet is a lie. At this point, we could do the famous statistical game. Oh, God. Which is to say, I will tell you one of the things that's true. And then, I, and and then, then I've got you the can either to speak change. or change. Yeah, I say we do it. Yeah, let's do that. So I will tell you yeah. one of the ones that is true. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Number one is true. Right, I said that. So I'm so al- now, already a bit of a winner. So, so all you have to do now is to decide whether you want to um, stick with your answer or change your answer. I'm going to stick with my answer just because I sort of want it to be true that there are stars smaller than oranges because it's silly and I don't really care about the land of the weight. <laughs> okay. God, this is tense now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, the other fact that is true... Is the Philae Lander. Oh. <laughs> so that isn't true about the stars smaller than oranges? No. How small is the smallest star? You can uh, you can get the sort of dead remains of stars that we think are down to about um, 10 kilometres, 15 kilometres. Those are called neutron stars. Um, any smaller than that, really, and you're into black hole territory. Just what you said then just blew my mind already. Oh, we're into black hole territory. I like the way you just say it as if, uh, well, you know, if you find yourself on the ring road, you know, you're going to be on there for a good 40 minutes. I am upset that that isn't true. Yeah, I know. I mean, there was a part of my brain saying oranges aren't all the same size. What are you... Good one. You know? Mm. Oh, I don't know. I wish we hadn't played it. It's a stupid game. Einstein. Is it his birthday? It's, it's, it's the 100th anniversary this very month of, of him uh, completing general relativity. Oh, not his, his birthday. No, not his birthday. Presenting his uh, general theory of relativity to the Prussian Academy of Scientists. Absolutely. The last um, great revolution in our thinking about the universe. It just rocked everything you thought you knew about the, the the universe it started it or it allowed you to be able to make calculations about the universe as a whole thing rather than just calculations and measurements about the individual celestial objects a hundred years ago mm. and the the last major discovery in, in in gravitational physics um which as an astronomer is the thing that you know gravity is the architect of the universe so if you're going to really understand the universe you need to understand gravity so what have you been doing I just feet up really cup of tea yeah <laughs> I'm going to ask you just to leave us, putting you on the spot again, with a proper mystery of the universe. Something totally baffling. Oh, right. Yeah, totally, totally baffling. And I mean, it can't in, be in, Phil Collins' 
return from retirement, <laughs> which is baffling. <laughs> like a piece of space debris, you know it's coming back. You just don't uh, know where or when it's, it's going to hit. when, yeah. yeah. We'll, have a, we'll have a conference about that, see what we can do about it. <laughs> My big pet thing is always gravitation, you know, and uh, it just it just comes back to why do um, light things fall at the same rate as heavy things and that's something that uh, you know Galileo talked about Newton just used implicitly in his work of gravitation and uh, Einstein raised it to 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 a principle so this is just this is sort of it was a fancy word really for something you can't explain mm. it just is so you know take a, a bag of foam or something like that something that's that's light but but relatively large so that air resistance doesn't um, affect you you know and then something heavy like a bag of sugar and just drop them i'm gonna do it now do it do it i'm gonna do a live do experiment it. that you can't see so can i yeah. do it with this pen you can do it with that pen and this bit of foam yep you can yep absolutely so i've got here so i do it onto the table do, yeah so yeah so yeah, yeah so i've got a uh, i've got a pen and a bit of uh, actually they weigh the same hold on i've substituted the pen for some sellotape a bit of foam, right? I'm about to jump to count. This me is in. this is yeah. This is the most mysterious thing in the universe and completely unexplained. So, three, two, one. See, there was some air resistance on that piece of foam. That got airtime, didn't it? it? Did yes, yeah. it did. Were you to do that on the moon, however, you know, apart from the fact you couldn't breathe, um, <laughs> they would hit the ground at the same time. Uh, right. As, as proved by um, Dave Scott on Apollo, whichever one that was, 15, I think, who actually did it with a feather and a hammer. and uh, not, not some sellotape and a pen. No. A bit of foam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they do. They hit the ground at exactly the same time. That observation, really, um, is pretty much the basis for general relativity and all our ideas about gravity. And we've got no clue why it should be like that so our challenge to you listeners is to explain it and uh, this is a good chance uh, to mention that if you want to you can tweet uh, me at i'm marco sullivan or one word none of the apostrophes you'd expect to find um and Stu, what's your twitter it's at dr dr um Stu clark and if you want to ask a question to Dr. Stew, you can uh, send us a tweet, or if you're listening from 2002, you can email us um, space at bingofilms.co.uk. What are you laughing at? I'm just. Well, it was one of those. I think I might want to cough, so if I turn it into a laugh, it'll make him think he's being funny. Oh, I see. It was one of those. Didn't say anything. No, I think just until um, until next time. Until next time, we haven't decided when that is yet. But we there will be a next time. I'll think up some better space facts. Oh yeah, Big well, fat galactic liars. Facts. Maybe I'll give you longer than four minutes to come up with them. Be quite nice. Yeah. But, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Doctor Stu for talking and saying such brilliant things and um, a big thank you also to uh, AKG and Soundtech for uh, letting us use some of their lovely equipment to make this podcast. I'm Marco Sullivan that's Stu Clark Good night. Bye The Stuniverse is a Bingo Productions podcast produced by me Marco Sullivan. Artwork by The Scribbler Check out thescribbler.co.uk for illustrationary loveliness <laughs>